0: And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. I'm glad you can be here with us today. Uh, It's going to be 4 o'clock now. Um, Now, I pre-record these, but be aware of the rain and the thunderstorms coming tonight. If it's not already started at this point, be careful out there. Don't drive into flooded areas. And know that this rain is supposed to last for a little while. I'm, I'm up here in the Cape Creek area and the whole Phoenix area I think is going to be getting rain this afternoon, which is great, but we should always be careful with that. Alright, we're going to be taking a look at Revelation chapter 14 today. We've been doing a, a series on Revelation. I, I didn't really intend for this to happen, but uh, I'm getting a lot of good feedback from this. These are I'm using notes from Guy Orbison, some of my own thoughts and other uh, notes that I have here. Am I uh, understanding a revelation? I'm trying to not bring in a lot of fluff from outside sources or things like that. I just want to give you what I'm seeing as being the picture painted. Remember, the things in Revelation, this is a vision that John is seeing. And visions intend to give a picture to help you understand the great scope of things. And sometimes we can allow those pictures to... Well, we can take them too far or take them too literally. And we've got to be careful with that. Keep things in context and understand what's going on. John is writing this letter, the book of Revelation, to a group that is going through a great amount of tribulation and persecution. And he wants them to know and understand that even though it may look like the world's winning, take heart. They don't. They won't. Christ has already won. God's won through his son. And if you remain steadfast with him in faith, you win too. And so keep that in mind. Now, if you haven't caught up, if you're behind or you haven't heard any of these lessons, I encourage you to go to our website, go to www.nvcoc.net, and then click on that radio mic. And you will find this episode and all the previous episodes on Revelation from the introduction to it, All these chapters, we're in chapter 14 now, up to here. And they're simple. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. And if you have any comments or questions, uh, feel free to to send that in to me. Now, chapter 14 can be divided into three sections or divisions. You'll see the phrase... And I looked, or you'll see the phrase I uh, saw, or the word saw, and th- this indicates how each one of these sections begins. You'll see it in verse one, verse six, and verse fourteen. And it seems that this chapter is uh, seems to bring the vision of chapter twelve, so way back there, to a close. The woman and her son. Remember, she was in birth pains, and the dragon was trying to eat uh, uh, the child when he was born. So the woman and her son are confronted by the dragon as the gospel age begins in chapter 12. Uh, They're able to avoid the capture even when he employs his two allies there in chapter 13. And chapter 14 here shows that the woman is safe with the lamb when Babylon finally falls and the reaping of the earth brings forth the end. So let's look at verses 1 through 5. Let's read that first and then we'll take a look at the text. Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on, the Mount, or was standing on Mount Zion, and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of, a, of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures, and the elders, and no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they have kept themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb and no lie was found in their mouth they are blameless Okay interesting section here you have mount zion sometimes refers to the city of jerusalem but here it seems to point us to the heavenly city, and I think that's what it is. It's more spiritual. The Lamb, Christ, is back and is now seen with the 144,000. Again, this is not a literal number. It symbolizes all those who will be saved from the beginning of time to the end. Twelve, representing the Old Testament saved, is multiplied by twelve, which represents the New Testament saved. Multiply that 10 by 10 by 10. That's the full completeness, the perfect cube, and you get 144,000. You may be thinking, oh, Chris, that's a stretch, but it really makes sense when you take into account everything we've looked at so far in Revelation. So again, if this, this is your first time... I'm not going to get into all the particulars. It's easier whenever I have my uh, whiteboard to show this, but we've already seen the numbers 12. We've seen the numbers 10. We've looked at the number 1,000, uh, 10 times 10 times 10, and, and the perfect cube and what all that means, but I'm not going to get into that here. Again, please listen to the previous episodes if you need more on that. So you got the mount, the lamb, and the name, the identifying seal. You know, It's not literally going to be put on our foreheads, But that just indicates, you know, the forehead that you notice that. I remember hearing once uh, about a kid in uh, Britain. He was in college. In order to help pay for college, he uh, sold advertising rights on his forehead. No kidding. (laughs) Companies paid him money to put. I don't know if it was a tattoo or not. Surely it wasn't permanent tattoos on his forehead, because when people see him, what's the first thing they're going to notice? That thing on his forehead. And so, if the name of God is written on our forehead, not literally, but if there, that means there's something about us that is so obvious to the world, they can't help but notice something different that we belong to the Lord. Verse 2 The voice from heaven, um, that's the 144,000. We'll see that in chapter 19 as well. They're going to sing a new song, the song of victory and salvation. These alone have the experience experience of salvation and therefore are the only ones qualified to sing. Those in the world aren't going to sing this song. They don't know the mind and heart of God. The picture here is the picture of victory in heaven. All the saved are safe in the presence of the Lamb and the Father. These were purchased from heaven with the blood of the Lamb. They win Didn't look like it when we were looking at the previous chapter. Boy, it looked bad. But they win. They held fast. Verses 4 and 5, you get the characteristics of the 144,000 found here. Are representative of those who are saved and purchased from the earth. They may not be taken literally since a literal interpretation would lead us to conclude that only virgin men will be part of the numbered in heaven. And that they never lie and are blameless. That's not true. This is a way of life. They, are, they did not defile themselves with the things of the world. And they did not practice lying like the world. I mean, man, just look at what's going on in the news right now with the impeachment hearings and all the garbage coming out of that. It's just, ugh, I don't want to get into politics. I apologize. But it's just the way of the world. So that's the first part of chapter 14, verses 1 through 5. Second found in verses 6 through 16. This is the second vision, vision, and this is the announcements of judgment. Let's read 6 to 13 next. And I saw another angel flying in mid heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. And he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory. Because the hour of his judgment has come, worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea and springs of waters. And another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, she who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Uh, Then, Another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit. So that they may rest from their labors, for their deeds follow with them. Okay, so let's take a look at these verses. The expression, another angel, is found three times in this vision. They're at verses 6, 8, and 9. Verse 13 uh, seems to be a transition to what follows in, in the next part. We'll get to that last. And in this vision, we have the prelude to what's ultimately coming to the earth, which is judgment. So verse 6, you get that angel flying in mid-heaven. This angel is where he cannot be touched by whatever is happening on earth. The land beast sends forth deceptions originating from earth, but here is an angel, a messenger of God, whose message does not originate from any earthly deception. You get the phrase to preach. This preaching is directed to every individual on earth and is referred to as an eternal gospel. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, this reminds us of the commission of Jesus to the disciples. Mark 16, 15 and 16, Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We call that the Great Commission. Yet the message given here seems to indicate that the time of repentance is past. Because judgment has now come. Uh Uh-oh. Verse 7. Fear God. The content of the preaching involves the announcement to everyone that the hour of his judgment has come. Everyone will ultimately bow before God, whether they glorified him during their earthly life or not. Then a second angel announces there in verse 8. The fall of Babylon the Great. Many suggest that Babylon is a symbol of Rome. Uh, They'll they'll quote 1 Peter 5.13 for this. That might be true. But in chapter 17, Babylon is pictured as a woman riding the back of the beast. Uh, That's in verse 7 there if you ever want to look at that. Which may be a clearer representation of Rome and all anti-Christian nations. It is also possible that Babylon here might represent something like the seduction to sin. It might be worldliness and all the earthly allurements that entice people away from God. Certainly, Rome and every worldly nation lead people into sin and separate them from God. However, in the vision of chapter 17, this seductress is using the beast Riding the beast wherever he goes, and it is not exactly the same as the beast. Maybe making this one tougher than it should be, I don't know. R.C.H. Linsky, he's a commentator I like. (coughs) Sorry for my coughing. He suggests, Linsky suggests, that Babylon is the anti Christian empire erected by the two beasts. This, I think, may be closer to the truth than the Roman interpretation. Babylon is a city, and it's a dwelling place. Uh, I think it is the place where all those who are lost dwell, in whatever generation it may be. This is spiritually speaking. Those who have been seduced into sin live in sin. That's where they're at, Babylon. It is not confined to just the first century but to all people of all time that have chosen what Satan offers and rejected the word of God. You know, check out all the references to Babylon and and see what you think. Um, If you're writing this down, if you're sitting there, Revelation 14.8, the one we just looked at, another angel, a second one, followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Or 16.9 And the great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her cup of the wine to his fierce wrath. Uh, wrath. 17.5 And upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the great, the mother of harlots and, and of the abominations of the earth. See that? It's, it seems to be the city of sin. In verse uh, chapter 18, verse 2, And he cried out with a mighty voice, saying, Fallen, fallen, is Babylon the great, and she has become a dwelling place of demons and a poison of every unclean spirit and a prison of every unclean and hateful bird. 1810, Standing at a distance because of the fear of her torment, saying, "Woe, woe! the great city Babylon, the strong city, For in one hour your judgment has come. And then 18.21. And a strong angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will not be found any longer. That's got to be sin because we're looking at judgment. The point of verse 8 here in 14 is that Babylon is conquered. What once caused all the nations, everybody, to sin is now defeated. She conquered contains all who oppose God. And when the end comes, and all of of us who are in Christ, what is our great struggle here on earth, those of us who are in Christ, trying to not sin? Oh, wretched man that I am, who can save me from this? Well, the Spirit of Christ, taking on his mind and heart. But we still sin every now and again, don't we? In heaven, when all this is done, we were taken to heaven, that's going to be taken away. Babylon will be gone. The the sin and the dwelling of sin will be gone, and I think that's what's being uh, promoted here throughout Revelation. All right, verses nine through eleven of chapter fourteen. These verses announce what it is to become of all those who worship the beast and are marked as belonging to him. Uh, they get the wine of the wrath of God. That's the ultimate judgment of God. Those who drink of Babylon's intoxicating wine will also get a taste of God's wine. Pleasure and passion now will result in wrath later. God's wine is unmixed, which means its full strength, perhaps uh, an allusion to the first century practice of diluting uh, the drinking wine. Terms like fire and brimstone forever point us to the idea of an end and an eternal judgment. This is the announcement of what is coming. Verse 12, you get the perseverance of the saints. It seems to speak of those who are steadfast in the keeping of God's commandments and hold to their faith in Jesus. Note, no symbol. Um, n- uh, uh, the faith in Jesus, uh, they will not drink of God's wrath. So the saints, the 144,000, are pictured, verses 1 through 5, as safe on Mount Zion, when God's wrath comes, not the literal Mount Zion. For anyone who is a premillennialist and thinks there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ here on the world, uh, I don't buy into that, and the, the text does not uh, list that there either. Verse 13. And if you're, oh, you know what? If you're thinking that I'm kind of glossing over that again, go go to our website, listen to the past uh, articles. I'm not going to rehash that every single time. You'll have to listen to everything for that. Or you can contact me, come up here to North Valley Church of Christ in uh, Cape Creek. I'll be more than willing to sit down and talk to you if you have ears to hear. I'll I'll listen to you. I ask that you just listen to me. Verse 13. Now this can be attached to verse 12 to explain that those who die in the Lord, that is, in a state pleasing to the Lord, they are safe, they are secure, in a circumstance of rest, this is comforting to Christians of any age who must endure the difficulties of living righteously on an earth filled with unrighteousness, and on an earth where you know, everyone is wanting to dwell in the place of sin, where we have nations that are buying into the land beast and all that he says is, say, "Oh, go this way." That's which is, you know, Satan's directing. She, Babylon sits on the beast and directs its way. I mean, we just look out there. And the things like I was reading an article the other day how um, this was at a middle school or an elementary the board was upset with parents because they didn't like uh, that they were bringing in a transgender drag queen to the school for the to talk to the kids are you kidding me why in the world would any sane thinking person think that would be okay and yet they do. Libraries, not across the nation, but here and there, are starting to bring in these transgender people to, to read books to little kids. And then they let the little kids crawl all over these people. That's ridiculous. Don't do that. That's bad. Uh, but it's the world we live in, it's okay to kill babies. It's okay to be a homosexual or a lesbian or what transgender or to change your gender. And all these things. It doesn't make sense. Well, it, the Re- book of Revelation lets us know this is how Satan brings nations down and attacks Christians. All right, the third vision, Judgment Day, verses 14 to 20. Let me get my text over here. Then I looked, and behold... A white cloud, and sitting on the cloud, was one like a son of man, having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, And the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar, and he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth, and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth. And threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city. And blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Remember, this is a vision that he is seeing. So, Judgment's Day. You get that one who's sitting on the cloud. All the descriptions here... Uh, Tell us that that this must be Jesus who will come again to take the saved home. And he reaps, and he. Well, let's just go through the text. So another angel came out of the temple. Uh, He is merely the messenger sent to tell the one sitting on the cloud that it's the time of judgment. The time of harvest depends on the one receiving the crop. Only the Father knows when the harvest is fully ripe. A complete Number he when all of are already are are, have been saved only the Father knows so he sends out his angel Remember, he's coming from the temple which is symbolic of the dwelling place of God comes out and says all right it's time the Lord God, Father says it's time to rip so he reaps the earth the earth was reaped verse sixteen the saved are gathered from the earth so what might now happen to the earth uh, cannot uh, or well now the earth cannot touch those who are saved is what I should say they're safe. The Lord brought them home. They they have persevered. Then another angel, verse 17. We now have two more angels, one with a sickle and the other has power over fire. And these angels will be involved in the final judgment. The clusters must refer to those who rejected God while living on earth, for these are all thrown into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the verse twenty gives us the picture of the final judgment. They're they're trodden outside the city. It may mean they're not part of the city of God. They're not welcome. They're all uh, are the grapes in the wine press trodden underfoot by horses. It doesn't matter. They're trodden as the point. They're smashed and they're destroyed. And what comes out? Not not grape juice, blood. What a vision! What how disturbing this must have looked. And the blood filled all the way up to the horse's bridles. The distance is 200 miles, which bankrupts the imagination. This much blood would involve many people. No war has ever produced as much. This is it. It is over for them. But where are the saints? The people of Christ? Well, they were reaped first. They're in heaven. They're safe. But those who went to Babylon and listened to her lies and dwelled in her, which is a sin, they do not make it, and they had no choice. They had no hope. Once the coming of Christ, uh, second coming of Christ, happens, there's no place found for repentance. You better take advantage of it now. If you are a Christian, if you if you are God fearing, you read the Bible. Don't. I want to. I want to encourage you to do something. I think a lot of us who are in, you know, who are religious, we believe we know what the scriptures say. We think, man, I know it. I don't need to study anymore, or I, I don't, I, I don't have to uh, study this anymore because I understand what it means. We should not get stuck in that trap because if you have a lie and you're holding on to a lie as the truth, you'll never change. Always be willing to challenge yourself and allow yourself to be challenged, and let the scripture speak for itself, because the days are evil. So we better make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time, folks, for the days are evil, and the coming of Christ can be at any moment. Let's be ready. Let's be prepared for that day. Thank you very much. Be careful out there in the rain, and uh, study your word. Study the Bible, folks, while we got the time. Thank you. And God bless. Sin enough to sweep away till shall on the better day. Bring it out. Bring it out, bring it out, bring it out till the sinful world be won for Jehovah's Mighty Son. Bring it out. ring it out, bring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.